This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are yet again. A Thursday edition of the opening kickoff. I'm Mark Heim. I'm in the studios of WNSP. Uh, Triple G. I won't say a much-needed day off, but a day off. Michael Brauner sitting in, pulling a little double duty today. I always appreciate Mr. Pickleball himself. Oh, wait, no, 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 not Pickleball. Cornhole. Our cornhole champion, Michael Brauner in the house. I'm sure that trophy is a pretty one sitting on his, on, his, on his mantle along with all those other participation trophies. And then, of course, the one, the only, Lee Shervanian, who is anchoring our SEC spring meetings coverage. He joins us from Destin one final day. I'm assuming you're not in the hot tub this morning, Lee. No, I have not. Today, uh, yesterday, the last time was last night, uh, Mark. That's it. Uh, today we pack it in and get back to the great old city of Mobile. So yesterday I decided to do something I've never done before, and that's attend the Wednesday press conference for the commissioner, Craig Sankey, wondering if perhaps something would come out of it. So 27 minutes later, this is what I got out of it. When asked if there would be a vote today by presidents onto the eight or nine game schedule, Greg Sankey said emphatically, we'll see, stay tuned. And that was pretty much it. That's, a, that's about what I got out of it. So today, uh, there may be a vote, there may not be a vote. According to Matt Hayes, who I had some lengthy conversations with yesterday, he's with Saturday Down South and he's been covering, he claims that only five schools in the SEC are favoring the nine-game schedule. He says four schools are in favor of an eight-game schedule, and then he lists the remaining five as undecided. As you know, in the vote, you need eight for this to become put into effect, to be voted on. You need eight votes out of the 14 schools. Alabama according to Matt Hayes and Auburn and Arkansas and Tennessee and South Carolina, in his opinion, are the schools that are undecided. He is suggesting that they will table the proposal for at least another year. Greg Sankey was asked if the um, – I'm trying to remember how the question was. Oh, he was asked if the nine-game format schedule change is dead, and he said, no, it's not dead. But he would not go on record as saying that it was definitely going to be uh, put into effect. I still, in my mind, and I can only, this is just me, I still believe he wants the nine-game schedule. So if, in fact, May, Matt Hayes is correct, then of the five schools I named, uh, at least, uh, let's see, five. So you would need at least four of them to favor going to nine games for that to become effective in the year 2024. Again, even though there are officials from Texas and Oklahoma, Mark, that are here, they do not have a vote. They do attend the meetings. They can offer opinions. But until the schools become officially members of the SEC, which would be, I guess, one year from July 1st, 
they they cannot they can't vote on it but they certainly can offer opinions so that's where things stand on that as far as any other decisions there are other legislative notes of probably not really of interest to most people more bylaw stuff that's going to come out so there will be votes taken there's a list of stuff they gave us but as far as sanctions on uh, fan storming the field I don't think anything's going to come out of that these are issues that we follow we talk about but uh, the major one is the schedule change and again there's no guarantee that there'll even be a vote today but I hope there is I'm wondering if it by the way I didn't realize there was going to be that much math on today's show man you you, you got me my head spinning with all these votes but I'm wondering if they're like trying to whip votes like it's a political race I'm wondering if there are guys behind the scene like with with political interest and, and, and money backing them for these eight and nine games. I wonder if the spring meetings, if you have third-party recruiting going in, talking to these coaches and ADs and presidents, trying to convince them why a nine game is more important or better form than an eight game or vice versa. Because like we've talked about all week, that's got there's got to be some of that going on because we went in thinking this was a foregone conclusion. And as it turns out, man, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of support. And I think a lot of that reason, Lee, is the same thing we talked about all week. Why add a more why add a tougher game to the schedule if what you're doing already is getting you into the college football playoff? What what's the point? I know we, we talk about fans and, and how important it is for the fans and you gotta get them the games or they're not gonna show up. But the truth is they are showing up and they are buying season tickets. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's somebody whipping votes over there like a political uh, like a political race. That's my opinion that uh, Greg Sankey does that behind closed doors. He's the one that reports. He's the one that gives him the information. And if he if I am correct and he truly believes that a nine game schedule is important, that I he would be the one. And you're right. It's behind the scenes. It's like politics, you know, backdoor politics. That's uh, that's his job. He's the commissioner. So so so. But I, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt, but. If he can't, if he's only got five or six teams wanting a nine-game schedule, are we giving Greg Sankey a little too much credit on his uh, his ability to wield power within the uh, within the conference? Well, he is the most powerful commissioner, not only in the SEC but in any conference. So, if anybody could get it done, it is he. And and, and let's not forget that you know he's also the one that uh, helped spark that 12-team college football playoff. So he does things behind the scenes. It, it, when, when he's publicly speaking, he sidesteps a lot of questions uh, as a true politician would. He sidesteps. and But in his past, he has gotten a lot of things done, even before he came to the SEC when he was with the Southland Conference. So I'm going to say this, Mark, for I don't have much contact with him. Uh, he didn't even say hello to me when I put the uh, – iPhone down in front of him, but I will say this: uh, I wouldn't put anything past him. He, if, if something needs to be done, he's the guy to get it done. And like I say, there's a lot of back back story politics or back uh, room politics that goes on, as with any conference or with anything like this. And if there is somebody to get it done, he he will get it done. Now, there's no guarantee. I'm not saying he's going to, because you know, again, you if you have schools that don't want this. But if you've already, according to Matt Hayes of Saturday Down South, if you have five schools that don't want the nine-game schedule, well, then he's got to convince the five others to vote. Otherwise, you're not going to get an eight-to-six vote. 
All right, you guys can jump in throughout the course of our morning at 694-1055. If you want to call in just to say hi to Michael Bronner and just keep him answering the phones all day, you can do that. Just say, hey, Mike, just check in and hang up. That's fine, too. Um, you know, the other thing, and this, I, I guess this is, this is the thing that, that irks me about this. As a whole, this, this week, I don't want to say it's been a waste of time because that's not accurate. But it's just not as juicy a week as we'd like to make it out to be. It's great for sound bites that one day when, uh, or the one and a half days when the coaches are there. But there's, there's just not that news or that, um, that commentary coming out of the week. At least not this year. That's the, that's, I mean, for instance, there is a story, and I'll admit it's on the website I work for. Alabama's AD has ideas to curb SEC field storming. And then you read the story, and then you realize, no, he doesn't. There, he's got what? There's, there's no ideas on how to curb it. He says fines you know, don't work. Well, thank you, Sherlock. We appreciate that that fine investigative reporting. But there's nothing there. There's just nothing to sink your teeth into. And and this is at a timely when we're craving that news, right? We're craving some type of college football interaction, and it's just not there. All right. Well, don't give up, first of all, because, like I say, the presidents are the only ones that vote on this thing anyway. So it's all been basically verbiage right now. And, and push comes to shove. We'll see what happens today. But it's funny you brought that up because you used to write headlines. I think you did. And when I was talking to some of the reporters, I was telling one of them, I said, you know, sometimes I read your story and it doesn't match your headline. And he says, yeah, that's true. I write the story and the headline is totally different. So I had that conversation yesterday and I think that happens a lot. And you know better than any of us because you used to write headlines. I'm not saying you did that. I'm just saying in many cases, I'll read a story and I'll see the headline and I say, wow. And then you read the story and I'm talking about Matt Hayes with Saturday Down South and it doesn't match it. And he agreed with me. You and Matt Hayes sound like you like you guys are brothers for different mothers, man. You, you guys been hanging out a lot. You reference that man more in the first segment than than you have in the last week. Let me tell you something. I'm there at 10 o'clock yesterday morning. We don't get somebody show up until around noon, two hours. What am I going to do? Pick flowers? I got to talk to somebody <laughs> that you just mill around. Like I said, I've told people this. I said on the Wednesday, the lull before the storm, and we hope the storm happens today. But basically, there's about 10 or 11 of us that just hang around there waiting for maybe an athletic director uh, or maybe a football coach to come out and, and talk to us. And yesterday, Shane Beamer was the one coach who did come out and talk. Uh, Greg Byrne did come out and talk, but that wasn't until like around 1230. So here we are, two and a half hours, just kind of walking around, just sitting around and nothing to do. Yeah, that's what we did. We, we, we introduced ourselves to one another. All right, so here's what you got planned. Here's what we got planned for today. Uh, we're going to give you uh, an opportunity to win some Chick-fil-A in hour number one. Uh, Pat Forty will join us in hour number two, as will the voice of the Crimson Tide, Eli Gole. Uh, you have a special guest at 8 o'clock from On3, Jesse Simonton. He'll, he'll join us at 8. And then uh, we are going to see if we can track down, not sure yet, if we can see if, uh, if we can catch up with Joel Erdman, the South Alabama AD. Because really... Uh, when you talk about eight and nine game schedules, 
you're really not just talking about this conference. You're talking about a lot of other conferences uh, that could be financially impacted by that decision and uh, and teams. And, and Joel Erdman uh, oversees one of those teams. So we'll, we'll get to all that coming up. Uh, in the meantime, when we come back, I want to play a little snippet from Lane Kiffin because uh, he, he took a – it's not really a shot, maybe a little jab. He has not let go – uh, of this whole Jimbo Fisher NIL thing. And it got me thinking. We'll let you hear some of that when we come back. But it got me thinking. What are some of the best off-the-field beefs between coaches of all time? Yeah, there are always guys that are rivals on the court or on the field. But off the court, off the field, away from the game, what are some of the best beefs we've seen? Because that's what makes that's what makes the SEC great. I mean, we'll talk away from the SEC, but we'll concentrate on the SEC too. It's the opening kickoff. We're just getting started right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Here comes your scoreboard traffic and weather. We're off and running. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. tells me to let it go uh but i can't uh he, he just he just can't believe that jimbo fisher even a year after he said it uh b- um could actually stand there and tell people that nil had nothing to do with his number one overall recruiting class uh he, he just won't let it go and so it really got me thinking because lane lane really started all of this kind of nil stuff with jimbo nick saban gets most of the headlines but it got me thinking what which which coaches have the best off the field beef uh in the SEC throughout history i mean not just here recently obviously saban and jimbo are the recent beefs but uh, man, there have been some good ones over the years. We want to hear from you. You can hit us up in the app at WNSP.com, or you can give us a call at 694-1055. Lee's and Destin uh, for uh, SEC Spring Meetings. I'm here in the studios at WNSP. Yeah, thanks to T. Bachelor and Son Heating and Air Conditioning. They've been in business for 38 years. Appreciate them coming aboard. Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, Chick-fil-A, Responta Manufacturers. That's your pool and swim spa connection. And Greer's Market and Cash Saver. I got uh, some thoughts on that, Mark. But first, I think we ought to at least mention the story that uh, came out yesterday. Alabama's basketball walk-on, Kai Spears who, if you re- well, you remember, of course, Mark, but everybody remembers was connected to that incident, the tragic shooting of uh, Jemiah Harris back in January. He, according to the New York Times, was a passenger in the vehicle driven by Brandon Miller, the vehicle that eventually, where the weapon was transported to in this uh, shooting death. Spears denied it, said he was nowhere near it, and to that 
he is now suing the New York Times for libel, defamation, and anything else you want to throw in there. Uh, he, I think he, I think I read it was 75k he's suing for. He says he wasn't there. I don't know why he would make up the fact that he wasn't there if he wasn't there. I mean, if he was there, so I guess I'm gonna believe him. I just don't know. I, I don't know why a uh, a publication such as the New York Times would get something so wrong. Um, so I'm intrigued and fascinated from a from a newspapering kind of standpoint. I don't know how many people out there um, generally care, um, but uh, it, it, to me, it, it's fascinating that a a publication from so far away seemed to have gotten this kind of um, breaking news, which it was at the time, and then it could be so 100% wrong. Yeah, so it, it'll be it'll be it'll be fascinating to kind of watch this play out and see 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 what the end result is. If this is all true, and if everything that is written, and you'd have to feel sorry for the kid because he said, I think if I read correctly, he said he had dinner or was out, and then he left and went back to his dorm or wherever he's staying knew nothing about this, and that uh, the next morning you're getting all kind of calls from the Tuscaloosa police and so forth, and he had no idea what this was all about. Again, I'm just basically quoting what was in the report that I read about this uh, lawsuit. And then he said he was getting death threats and all kinds of uh, negative criticism and and so forth. And then the Times uh, story, this came out later, not not during all this, but about weeks later, that identified him as a passenger in the vehicle driven by uh, Brandon Miller. And at the time, Spears denied it vehemently and said, I was nowhere near there. I wasn't in the vehicle. So then, you you know, it led to the, and we questioned, like, well, wait, this is the New York Times, all the news that's fit to print, that's their logo or, you know, that's their branding. So how can anybody writing for the Times make a mistake like this? Well, according to the uh, Spears family, it made a huge mistake, and it could cost them. Uh, you guys can jump in on it uh, at 694-1055. Uh, I don't, it's been a while, um been a while since i took a media law class i'm wondering uh where you draw I the took line one more recently than you would have all right so yeah bronner jump in on this where where do you draw the line on kind of a public figure versus a private citizen especially when it comes to spears who i think to your average joe would be considered a private citizen yet he's on a very high profile team does the does the level of expectation change, or is it different for Spears? Yeah, I didn't say I did well in the class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, I I don't know. It, it you can certainly categorize him as a public figure, being on a you know a team that was the number one team in the country last year. But you know, he was not even a walk on that saw time in, in garbage time right, really so right. like I, I i didn't become familiar with who kai spears was even watching every alabama game until you know this story came out so i i don't know where that line draws like does the association with the team you know mark you in the in the category of public figure i i don't know uh it, it is a fascinating legal discussion if only we had Lee. If only we had a lawyer that came on from time to time that could explain these things to us. 
You know, Mark, uh, the thing that surprised me was that they're only seeking $75,000, which you already brought up. I would have thought a, little, a lawsuit like that. You go for the jugular and take what you can get. I was really surprised to see it's only 75000 considering how they felt his name was maligned in the in the media because of this. You know, we're talking the Times, a national publication, so linked to this shooting death in a sense i say he wasn't involved in the actual shooting just the fact that he was a passenger which he claims is just absolutely false and they have affidavits to show that you know he wasn't there so that's what surprised me that they weren't seeking more money well it is a newspaper and newspapers are a dying breed i mean there's only there's only so much blood you can you can suck from from that entity i guess um, yeah, but they have insurance. They have insurance companies, right, that uh, tote the bill on this, right? Aren't they covered? I don't know. You work for one. Aren't they covered by insurance? Yeah, I don't work in the legal department. Um, I'm just the one that puts the headlines on, on stories that don't match. You're the one that story. makes problems for the yeah, legal I'm the, department. Yeah, the reason we have legal departments. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right, so coming up here, uh, we called an audible. And uh, Joel Erdman, the South Alabama Athletic Director, is actually going to join us next. Um, but maybe it'll be so good that we wind up playing it again at 8.30 like we originally planned. How about that? No pressure, Lee. It's all about the questions, not necessarily the answers. I'm just going to throw that out there. No pressure. Uh, we continue, uh, or at least Michael Bronner and I do, from the studios of WNSP. Lee Shervanian, uh, hanging out, working hard, playing hard. In Destin SEC Spring Meetings. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. down the list and uh, and so we're obviously very attuned now because we have a real life example that we can learn from and we're going to make sure we we do that going forward and we but we had also done that in the past as well all right 632 that's the voice of alabama athletic director greg byrne uh from destin in the sec spring meetings that's where our co-host our buddy, our colleague, our friend, our mentor, Lee Shervanian joins us from. Lee? I mentioned earlier in a report on Saturday down south that Alabama, according to this report, was undecided. If you listen to uh, the athletic director, Greg Byrne, yesterday, he pointed out when asked about eight games or nine conference games that Alabama has scheduled a lot of top-notch contests through 2032, I think, and those games would be in jeopardy. And I got to thinking about South Alabama's football program because I know they have some SEC games scheduled. I think Auburn's on the schedule, and there are others. I haven't gone through them all. So I really appreciate the athletic director at South Alabama, Dr. Joel Erdman, for coming aboard at this late time. And, Joel, 
thanks again. I know it was kind of a last minute, but when I thought about all that's going on with the SEC and they may vote today on whether to expand the, the schedule, I was curious how that might affect uh, you and those who put together the JAG football schedule. Yeah, Lee and uh, Mark, I appreciate you all having me. Uh, great to be with you all. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're correct. This is obviously a topic of interest, and it was a topic of interest at Sunbelt meetings a uh, week before last down in Destin also for all the Sunbelt schools. Um, for us individually, you know, as an institution, we have, uh, among others, LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, uh, we also have a home-and-home home scheduled with Old Miss, I believe, in 28-29. Um, and, and so we were interested to see what comes out of that, that room today, hopefully, right, and um, what that means. So, you know, it's hard to predict the future, but if, if they choose to stay at eight, uh, assuming all future non-conference schedules would remain intact, if they choose to go to nine, then, uh, you know, I, in, in my opinion, each institution would, would have uh, some decisions to make about what do they want to do with their three non-conference games. And I think that would be some, some interesting conversations between the head football coach and the AD at those institutions. And, and maybe even being influenced or uh, persuaded a little bit by the, the, the conference office and what it thinks um, is best for the conference. So uh, very, very good topic. Going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Joel, let me ask you this, uh, and, and I'm putting the cart before the horse because we don't know what the vote's going to be or even if they're going to table the vote, and I'm not suggesting that they're going to vote for nine. But n even if they did or did not, when you book, let's say, or you, you get a game with Auburn or Kentucky, is there a buyout clause in case the game cannot be played? Or let's say Auburn or Kentucky decides, well, we can't now play South if we go to nine, but do they then have to buy you out of it? That, that would be my interpretation. You know, there are, there are other interpretations, obviously, but um, if a game is not executed uh, and, and there is no uh, compelling force majeure, if you will, uh, then, yes, each game has a buyout. If you choose to not play us, um, the penalty in doing so is A, B, and C. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, again, the cart before the, the horse, but um, this, this was a, a topic during COVID and, um, and, and how the perception or definition of force majeure was handled then. But, um, you know, this, this to me would seem to be a, uh, uh, an institutional choice and and all and and often a a, a, a conference choice so if if that occurs that is a, a road that will be discussed and we'll see what the outcomes will be
You know, Joel, this goes back in history. It used to be said that football schedules are, you know, uh, put in, in, in the, from years down the road and you don't change it and you can't make changes. Yet I can at least recall twice and maybe more, and you, you obviously have more knowledge than I do about South Alabama. I remember one year, weren't you supposed to play a team in the SEC and that got changed at the last minute and you maybe played South Carolina or something like that? And then there's yeah. the infamous the LSU game. Uh, was it a hurricane game or something like that where they had to bow out? You got Presbyterian in, and I think you've re – have you rescheduled LSU at all? Yes, we, we do have – LSU is very gracious. Uh, if I c recall the circumstances correctly, uh, their a game with – their game with Florida was postponed due to a hurricane. Uh, we were supposed to play them in November, and they rescheduled the game with Florida in Gainesville, I believe, thus bumping us, and we were able to fill that with Presbyterian um, and LSU, again, at their, their earliest convenience, rescheduled us, which we deeply appreciate. And, you know, it, it, it is true that football schedules are um, – are very complicated <laughs> you know it, it 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 has a lot of nuances to it and and once one is in place and and the vast majority of the other 130 fbs institution schedules are in place um it is difficult and complex to try to move games and replace games because you're you're not simply you it is very uncommon that it's simply it's just a matter between us and them. It, it, if you want to move games or, or substitute games, um, you're, you're, in all practical purposes, impacting probably a dozen dominoes. And um, it does happen from time to time, uh, uh, and, and it is often driven by uh, broadcasting, um, and, and we accommodate, as do others, to the best of our ability. But, but I guess the moral of the story is, you know, if you're one, two, three, four years out and your football schedule starts getting manipulated, that can be a little troublesome. Let's look to your schedule this year. It's out. You've got some TV games. You're coming off a 10-2 and two season. I really like that opening game at Tulane on ESPNU. I will ask you, though, I'm a little surprised on September 16th. I thought for sure your game at Oklahoma State would be a, an ESPN game on what, ESPN or ESPN2 or ESPNU. I see it's on ESPN+. Plus. Is there a chance that could get, uh, for those who don't have ESPN+, Plus, maybe we get a chance to see that game? I, You know, I, I'm not sure. Um, the, the Big 12 has entered into an agreement with ESPN, very similar to ours, the Sun Belts, where a select number of, of – their games, Big 12 games, um, are, are placed on what I call linear networks, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, and while others that maybe are not selected for that uh, are placed on ESPN+. And so I, I think the best answer to that question is I would plan for it to be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I would also encourage people that, that platform is, is really pretty good, and we're very proud of it. And 
Um, there is a monthly cost to it that uh, is is reasonable in my opinion. And uh, if you've not done it, it's you, you have access to a bunch of games on in 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 many conferences, you know, coast to coast. So, um, but yeah, you're you're exactly right, Lee. Our, I'm very excited about our upcoming schedule. Uh, our away schedule, also our home schedule, I think is very entertaining and intriguing for our fans. Um, and, and we will have some national primetime exposure. Uh, one is a Tuesday night uh, on a national broadcast here uh, against Southern Miss at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. And then uh, we go up the road to our, our brothers at Troy on a Thursday night um, for another national uh, primetime broadcast um, so our home schedule which includes southeastern Louisiana central Michigan uh, uh, southern Miss Louisiana Arkansas State and then uh, Marshall coming up at the end of the year which really could be a, a very exciting and meaningful game um, so our fans have great games to, to look forward to at Hancock Whitney Stadium and uh, as, as I always emphasize, season tickets are available and encourage people to uh, uh, do so and join the Jags, whether purchasing online at usajaguars.com or at 251-460-1USA. Um, so forgive me for my unashamed promotion there, but uh, I think it's going to be a great year and a lot of fun. No, I wanted, uh, that's why I set this up, uh, to give you the platform to ballyhoo the schedule and so forth. Now, the October 17th Southern Miss, as you pointed out, and November 2nd at Troy, they're on ESPN2. Is it possible, because there is no TV listed among the other conference games, is it possible that other games could also get some uh, national television uh, status? Yes, it is. Our, our Sunbelt agreement with ESPN um does have on on the, the 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 latter half of the season, ESPN can uh, cherry pick, if you will, um, some prime matchups according to how people are performing. And so, generally speaking, if you've got one or two teams that are experiencing a successful year, and uh, um, you know, two weeks out for that game, and that game is currently scheduled to be broadcast on ESPN plus uh, ESPN does have the right to take that game uh, place it in a time slot on that date um, you know either 11 230 six or seven whatever it might be and and bring in the the linear broadcasting capabilities for ESPN two or you um, so yes the the, I, I, I do think um, there is some possibility or maybe even likelihood that, that one or two of our, our games in the latter half of the season will be selected. Joel, I can't thank you enough for coming aboard and, and for talking about the uh, the schedule. Like I said, I am so excited. Your first game at Tulane. I think they had double-digit wins last year, I think, also. And that, that gets ESPNU, and that's a great way to start the season. It really is. You know, Coach Fritz uh, at Tulane, give him some credit. He he went to Tulane from Georgia Southern, and he has had a great – if you look at his career path, he's really, you know, earned his, his stripes. And 
has done a great job over there in New Orleans. And, you know, they were the, the group of five selection for uh, New Year's Bowl game, and they go to the Cotton Bowl, and they beat Southern Cal. So um, they're, they're going to be riding that wave, and we're going to be looking at this um, as a great opportunity to kickstart the year. So uh, um, do encourage people to join us in New Orleans at Tulane uh, Labor Day weekend. And Lee, Mark, appreciate everything. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you're doing well, and I appreciate you coming on, especially at such a late notice. We'll talk soon, okay, Joel? Thanks so much. All right. All right, fellas. Go Jags. All right, so that's uh, Athletic Director Joel Erdman. We come back. We'll wrap up our number one. You guys get a chance to chime in with the Chick-fil-A question of the day. Coming up at 7 a.m., we will talk to uh, Pat Forty. Eli Golan, hour number two as well. So we got a lot going on here. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us on this Thursday edition. I'm Mark. Michael Bronner in for Triple G. He's in the studios at WNSP. And Lee living it up for just a couple more hours in Destin. If you have any tips on what Lee should do on his way out of town, one last hoorah, one last alcoholic beverage, whatever, hit us up in the app, WNSP.com. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSP. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 651, here we go. Your daily offering a little... Fried deliciousness. What do you got for us, Lee? Talk about Alabama in the uh, World Series softball. They open up today in game one, actually an 11 a.m. game on ESPN. They're facing Tennessee. So the two SEC schools are facing one another to start off the uh, four games today. Now, the last time that Alabama won a national title, you got to go back to uh, 2012, the last time that the uh, Crimson Tide won the College Softball World Series. The question is, who do they beat to win the title? They had to beat a team twice, and they accomplished it. So it's been a while since Alabama's won a College Softball World Series. If you know the answer, uh, give Michael a call at 694-1055. Mark, you were talking about uh, coaches, contentious uh, rivalries, uh, maybe bitter off the field. And you kind of directed it to the SEC, which is obviously a, a good topic. I, but I had one that just sticks out in my mind, and it's not SEC. And I can't imagine a more volatile uh, coaching duo than uh, Temple and uh, Massachusetts, Calipari and John Cheney, which resulted in a fight. Uh, I don't know if we've ever had that in the SEC. I know there have been some uh, coaching rivalries, which have obviously escalated into the into the news stream. But the uh, Cheney, when he attacked uh, Calipari, certainly stood out as far as a national uh, coaching rivalry, which really went out of bounds. But uh, you mentioned, I, I don't know if we've had many, and I'm sure we've had many app in, but, of course, you mentioned earlier Spurrier and Fulmer. That became very contentious. Yeah, so talking a little bit about Lane Kiffin earlier today and how he made a comment. He was asked about Jimbo Fisher's comments a year before. He's still hanging on to it. Talked about how his 
SID told him to let it go, and he just can't let it go. These comments about NIL and how Jimbo Fisher talked about how the Aggies' number one recruiting class last year had nothing to do with NIL. And, of course, Lane is calling BS on that. And so it's really I, – I wouldn't put Jimbo and Lane in that same category, but we're talking about uh, off the – off the field, off the court beefs between SEC coaches or any coaches really that that have really that have really stayed with us. And obviously, yes, uh, Calipari and Cheney was certainly one to remember. Um, Spurrier, uh, Spurrier is always was always in the center stuff. He and Fulmer, I would say, Lane Kiffin and Urban Meyer were was a good one. Uh, and I, and and if if anybody has a beef with Jimbo, I think it's Saban and Jimbo. I think if they could get locked in the same room together, I think only one guy is coming out. They can talk about how they're buddy buddy. By the way, I think Jimbo takes him in the first ten minutes of a of a fight. If they were to actually fight, see, there's two different conversations going on here, Bronner. <laughs> who has the best beef? But who would win if that beef got physical? Yeah, uh, Nick Saban isn't the most physically imposing guy. You know, he's uh, he he commands a room. If you've ever been in a room with him, but you know, I don't know if he if he's beating you in a fight. I got a modern one for you what that you actually switches sports. How about how about Nate Oates and Eric Musselman? I think that's uh, that's a developing one lately. That you know, and I come at this with a very biased Alabama lens, but no. I, I'll tell you what, I can't stand uh, short man Eric Musselman, but. It was fun. I mean, they they seem to remember things that the other says. I remember last year, like the free throw disparity. Last year, meaning you know, two years ago now, there was a free throw disparity between Arkansas and Alabama. It was like forty three to eight, and Nato said something about it in favor of Arkansas. Nato said something about it after the game. Game Arkansas won, and uh, and then muscle, and then it was it was like somewhat favored in Alabama's way this year and then Musselman brings it up in the press conference saying like oh I know he was complaining about it last year they do not like each other well I'll tell you what and and, and to that point though they're kind of on very parallel tracks like yeah. they both entered the league around the same yep. time it might have been in the same year yep uh and so and both have their teams on the rise or perceived rise yeah so I think there's some similarities there and they're kind of trying to find that foothold in the, in the league. So, no, I mean, I, I don't think it's as openly nasty as some of the other examples, but there's certainly an undercurrent there of... That hatred exists, yeah. whether whether they uh, openly, like, take jabs at each other or not. It's only going to get worse, too. Uh, you know, hopefully Nate Oates can accomplish some of the success in March that Musselman has had, but he is, I believe, like 4-5-1 or five and one against the guy, so... You know, take that as you will. Yeah. So there's some. Uh, there's been some good stuff. I, I think. I think. Uh, well, anytime. I, I think you can. Ohio State, Michigan. I think Harbaugh and I. I think Urban has always been a, a lightning rod. Uh, I always think. I always think he's been a lightning rod. So whoever he's coaching against, there's going to be some sort of feud there. But I think Jim Harbaugh is also that same way. So I think you're going to have some, along with that natural rivalry. Um, those guys uh, certainly, I think, got into it for a while there. Um, Lee, can you can you think of so, some other good ones? Not not to the measure that you've brought up, because the ones that I think about are outside the the SEC, um, and I wasn't really around during the days. I don't know, and I, I guess I'd have to rely on our, let's say, senior citizens out there, because remember when. Bear Bryant sued, I guess it was the Saturday Evening Post, and it and had to do with Georgia. 
and I believe the coach there was Butts. I don't know if there – I always got the impression that back then – that there was a, a camaraderie among the coaches. They lasted a long time that, you know, you didn't hear about because you didn't have all the cable outlets and you didn't have a lot of reporters. You didn't hear about rivalries uh, among coaches, you know, as far as the friction and so forth like you do today because there's so much written and nothing gets hidden anymore. But I do remember when, you know, Alabama, I vaguely remember that Alabama, that there was a story in the Saturday Evening Post or something where Bear Bryant or Alabama sued, and it had to do with Georgia. And I don't know exactly why, I don't remember why or, or, or what happened after that, but um, I guess there was kind of a rivalry there. I, I, and most of the rivalries are usually like, you know, you look at Alabama and Auburn from the football standpoint, I can't remember really any – any major uh, incidences between Alabama and Auburn? It, you know, people like to build it up, the fans, about a fierce rivalry, but it's always appeared to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of a friendly rivalry between Auburn and Alabama. Uh, maybe between the coaches, a respectful rivalry, but... Um, There's I, nothing friendly about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use the word friendly. Tuberville, now Tuberville, there, there have been coaches that have had rivalries with schools or conferences like Tuberville and the Six Fingers and Fear the Thumb and all that. He certainly egged that kind of thing on. What about, and, and to that point, like Bob Stoops. You remember years ago, Bob Stoops called the, or Stoops called the SEC dominance propaganda. And that just set off a whole offseason full of headlines. I mean, that was, that was high quality entertainment back in the day. By the way, Lee, congratulations to Neil. He got the answer to your uh, Chick-fil-A question. Oklahoma was the team Alabama beat twice back in 2012. Oklahoma is the overwhelming favorite to win the uh, college uh, World Series softball championship. I think right now they have a, uh, a winning streak of what? Uh, well, it was broken. No, no, it's still going on. It's still going on, like 48 straight wins. They set a new record. So they are the favorite to win it all this year. Let's see if that can be uh, changed around. All right, coming up next, Pat Forty joins the opening kickoff. Here comes hour number two at Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 702, here we are, hour number two on this Thursday edition. Man, it's June. It is officially June. Hurricane season starting, getting hot. You'll get that daily rain shower. What could be better? Uh, Lee Shervanian's in Destin for a final show here. He'll be back with us in studio tomorrow. Uh, Lee, we are efforting Pat Forty there, but uh, we will let you know as soon as we get him. Great, and I do want to thank sponsors like Dr. Christopher Mullenix, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning for 
helping uh, sponsor our coverage down in Sandestin. It, it is my final day down here, but this will continue uh, through Friday with the presidents coming in to perhaps vote on some of the uh, key issues that we've been talking about. Also, thanks to Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters in the greater Mobile area, and uh, Rich's Car Wash. They've got over 30 locations in the greater Mobile area. So, yeah, we've been talking about a lot of words going back and forth, a lot of questions being raised, and that's really been it. Now, is there action today? And that remains to be seen. And hopefully when we take the air tomorrow, Mark, we'll have something to say as a vote by the presidents, whether they favor uh, a nine-game schedule, whether they want to go back to eight games, or whether they want to table it for another year. And, and you know, this, this is what uh, got me yesterday uh, during the uh, session with uh, Greg Sankey, is some of the reporters say, you know, like, you, some of these, uh, well, I say athletic directors or presidents say they want more information. Well, how much more information do you need? You know, I mean, the, the, the SEC is, does a great job of feeding information to their uh, universities. And that question was posed to Greg Sankey. He said, like, you know, what do they need to know that they don't know now about whether to say nine games or eight games? How much more do you need to know? I mean, this is not a, like a last-second thing. This has been going on for over a year now. Uh, it almost became an, an issue last year, you know, when they met, and they kind of – they kind of tabled it and so forth. So, you know, and I said the same thing. What do you need to know? You either play nine or you play eight. How much information do you need? Uh, you guys can jump in on the conversation, 694-1055. It appears the app is uh, back up and working. There were some issues there earlier. Uh, Michael Bronner in the house. See, when Bronner's here, things get done. I can't say the same for his counterpart who is taking the day off. But if you want to call up, Congratulate Bronner on his big uh, cornhole victory. He's got the he's got the trophy where he beat the opening kickoff up there on his mantle, right next to all those participation trophies. So it's been a couple weeks now, but you know that's not a feeling that goes away. Right. And I'm, I mean, you saw the picture. Yeah. The the final screenshot from uh, you know how the it, video ended. It was so. a, a defining moment in Bronner's career, life uh, career. Whatever. You know. I mean, we all have life goals, and and when Bronner can take home the gold in cornhole, yeah, against that, two guys who have never played the game, yeah, yeah, you know, that's uh, wasn't a game you can lose. There are games you can lose, and uh, there are can't loses and and must wins, and yeah. that that fell under the category. That of both. was your I'm Bo Jackson running around the corner, is going to steamroll Brian Bosworth moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it it was certainly a defining moment it in my cornhole career. It will be cemented in, in in WNSP legacy and lore. Lore, yeah. For for years, decades. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're in talks to put up the statue soon. So yeah. so we'll see what. Uh, Is that why we cleared out the? Uh, <laughs> that's why we cleared out the studios, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we got to make room for the statue. Lee, you're gonna be blown away when you come in and, and check out the new studio, my friend. I mean, maybe, I I'll, don't, maybe I don't I'll come even earlier instead of coming in at four. Maybe I'll come at three just to get the uh, lay of the land. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is amazing. I'm not sure how they got your hot tub in here, but they pulled it off. I, it's, well, it's, it's about time. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, I mean, I you know, I've only been asking for it for about 20 years now, so yeah. it took some time. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Uh, all right, so coming up, we're going to talk to the voice of the Crimson Tide, Eli Gold. That's going to be at about 7.30, uh, but you guys can jump in. We, we spent uh, uh, some time talking about a number of things today. Uh, Kai Spears, he is suing uh, the New York Times for 75 k for uh, uh, defamation, if you want to jump in on that. And, of course, uh, we spent some time talking about uh, the biggest off-the-field beefs between coaches. Um, 
uh, with uh, Jimbo. Jimbo Fisher, um, actually, it's more Lane Kiffin. Can't seem to let Jimbo Fisher's comments from a year ago, uh, he can't seem to let it go. So we've, we've kind of been tossing that around. And, of course, Lee, I'm pretty sure your favorite topic of the week has been the 8 versus 9 uh, game schedule. Um, Absolutely. We, yeah. yeah, I do. And, and I hope they go to 9. And I've said that, you know, during the week. And uh, this being the premier football conference, I think when you have 16 teams in there, you ought to have at least nine. And, and, you know, Greg Sankey was asked about that yesterday, too, when the, the question was posed, look, you got just about every other Power Five conference doing that. And Greg's response was, well, we don't have to do what other conferences do. You know, of course, he's playing, you know, r the middle of the road on this. So, you know, again, we don't know how he really feels because he doesn't say it. But he says, look, we don't have to we don't have to do it just because other conferences. And, of course, he pointed out the ACC plays, you know, eight, in, eight conferences games and you know four outside the conference but um, I you know again no matter what I think I just hope they vote on it because that'll give us something to talk about tomorrow if they vote for eight fine if they vote for nine even better and if that is the case well obviously as we talk with Joel Erdman the South Alabama athletic director they're going to have to be a lot of changes made especially you know with schools like Alabama because Alabama according to uh, you know, well, it's not according to, it's already happened. They have posted a lot of these home and homes, Mark, through the, what, 2032, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Notre Dame. And to be honest, those are blockbuster games. And, you know, even though I say I'd like to see nine, I would not want to see a Alabama-Ohio State game removed because of a another conference game. So I guess I can't have it both ways. But they've got some blockbusters on their schedule uh, coming up, and they've done a great job. You know, they used to really get involved with these kickoff games. Well, they've gotten away from that now to the home and home. So that would create the possibility of having to remove those games from the schedule. Well, look, and and I, and I will say this again. Uh, first of all, I agree with uh, Greg Burton since it, you, you don't have to do anything that other conferences are doing just because they're doing it. You're the SEC. You're the trailblazer. You're the one that that sets the tone for college athletics and specifically college football. So I don't think they're ever going to be bullied into making a decision based on what other conferences are doing. From a from a fan standpoint, I want to see nine conference games. If I'm a coach or an administrator uh, in the for a school or a conference, I'm staying with eight, and I'll and I'll continue to ride this until. So a college football playoff committee leaves one of my teams out because of my strength of schedule or lack thereof. If someone cites only eight conference games as a reason why my team didn't get in, then I think about going to nine. But I'm not making life more difficult for my coaches or my, or my players or teams simply to appease the masses. If I can get into the college football playoff, and there's no reason to think that you can't, with an eight-game conference schedule, why add that ninth game? Now, granted, for a lot of the top-tier SEC teams, that ninth game is going to be probably against a weaker opponent that you're going to win, more times than not. Not always. But for those teams that aren't as competitive who think, oh, I got a better shot of getting into the college football playoff now because there are 12 games, well, you potentially just added a tougher game that would make it tougher or harder for them to get into that playoff now because now you're, I don't know, Ole Miss and you're having a great year, but 
uh-oh, I got to play Georgia or Florida or name your SEC school in a year where you normally wouldn't have to play them. And if you lose that game, now you're on the outside looking in. Bronner, you seem to disagree with that. Well, they're going to run into them eventually anyway. So, <laughs> like, what, I well, if they make the playoff, they're going to run into them eventually. I guess, it, like, if but you're, it's not about winning the playoff, it's about making If the you're playoff. Ole Miss or, or you know, that's, that's a fine example, yes. I mean, you're talking about a team who's never been to Atlanta, never won the SEC West. So, yes, I, I, I get it in the sense that, like, yes, making a playoff would be a big deal to Ole Miss. But, I don't know, I just think the, the whole narrative, like, oh, you might be adding a tough game i just think it's a bit silly like you're gonna you're gonna be playing these teams regardless to get to where you ultimately want to be anyway and that also being said it's like oh like what if we lose these cupcake games that we need like who who care like did the utah state game last season prepare alabama to play texas they beat them 55 nothing and then looked and then looked terrible the following week so but, like but comparing but comparing alabama's situation to any uh of uh, 10 different SEC schools doesn't really work because Alabama's at the top of the uh, of the heap, right? So whoever they play, they're going to be favored yeah. against. So the, the flip side of that is, what if they had some major, uh, you know, maybe what if they played Florida? And then we'd be talking about, man, it's a gruesome, it's a, it's a grueling schedule. Look about, what about the injuries? And the other guys aren't playing and it, it, it may get them prepared, but uh, man, are they, are they exhausted? Did they put too much into that? Do they have anything left in the tank? Like, I, th I think you can make a, a, a reasonable argument for, man, did playing Utah State really hurt their chances of getting into the playoffs? No, the games they lost ultimately hurt their chance of getting the playoffs. It's not who they played and who they beat. It's the losses. So if they continue to win and win at a high clip, they're going to be in regardless. Well, I think at the same time, they prepare, like, if you, well, at least if you ask Nick Saban, they prepare for the Utah States and ULMs and Austin Peas of the world the same way they prepare for the Floridas and Georgias of the world. It's kind of what part of what has made the program so great over the last 15 years. So it, sh it just feels like a waste of time to me. And, like, yeah, I mean – Guys can get hurt in any week. I, I think that's a bit of an overstated narrative. Like, oh, they emptied the tank too much. Like, this guy, uh, this guy could have gotten hurt in the Florida game, but wouldn't get hurt. I mean, it's football. Like, you get, you can get hurt on any given play. It is what it is. Uh, that's just kind of the chance you're taking anytime you step out on the football field. But I don't know. I, you I see, you're looking at, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but you're looking at it from a fan's perspective. Of course, you want to see the best on best. And of what course. I'm saying is, and I agree with that. From a fan's perspective, I don't want to see Alabama. You know. Utah State or Arkansas and, you know, name your school. Well, they did the lose to Liberty at home last right. year. <laughs> so, but from, but my point is, as an administrator, as a coach, I'm protecting my guys. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't mean from injury. I mean, I, I, want, I want them to get to the college football playoff. And I want to make that as easy as possible. And obviously the 12 teams kind of shakes up the entire thing sure. as well because, you know, with what's been the uh, the whole thing, with, there's never been a three-loss or a two-loss team in the college football playoff with four teams. Now it's going to be like there will be a three-loss team in it. Is there a weird situation where a four-loss team could make the right. college football playoff at this point? Like it'll probably take a couple years, but, you know, uh, if, uh, if Auburn loses to Alabama and Georgia and, you know, I don't know. A couple other good teams. Like who kn who knows what could happen if there's some good wins on the resume as well. Uh, you know that'll that'll be the new thing. And then when it ine inevitably gets expanded, probably a decade down the line from 12, it'll be can a can a seven and five right. team make the call? Right. And and so the cycle goes. All right. So you know, again, good debate. Uh, it'll continue until they're and and it'll continue not only until they make that vote, 
But even after that vote, we'll talk about the pros and cons of both. And again, don't mistake what I'm saying, folks. I'm not against a nine game. As a fan, I'm all for it. I'm like you guys. I roll my eyes that weekend where all those non-conference foes are being played, and you kind of you're kind of like, oh, what am I going to do this weekend? I get it. I'm also trying to put my shoes in an administrative and uh, an athletic director shoes or coach's shoes, and not just like Alabama or Georgia. Like they're 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 going to be favored in 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 more more times than not win whoever against teams whoever they play. But about what about the Mississippi States and the Arkansas and the Ole Misses, you know that that need those wins, not not just to get bowl eligible, to, but to make that expanded playoff. What if they lose that? What if Arkansas loses that game against South Carolina because they have to play that extra game, whereas they could have been playing the Citadel? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, but what if they mark? Here's you know, I, let's face it, if you're it would be better to lose that game to Arkansas or South Carolina than to lose to the Citadel because the strength of schedule from the SEC could get you in. I mean, if you want to speculate, to me it would be a lot better to play an SEC school, even if you lost, rather than lose to one of your non-conference teams, which could bury you. Right, but uh, but you're, you're, you're assuming that Arkansas is going to lose to the Citadel. You can't assume they're going to lose that non-conference game based on their eight-game conference schedule. You, they're going to go get a patsy. I mean, look, if they lose to the Citadel, then I don't. we're not even talking about that team making the college football playoff, uh, regardless of what their conference schedule looks like. Let's, uh, let's take a break. Scoreboard traffic and weather are next. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff rolling along. Bronner's in the house, which is why everything's moving so smoothly here today. Triple G, I don't know. He's up late last night working on his double dribble podcast or whatever it is he's, he's working on. But Lee's in uh, Destin for SEC spring meetings. Uh, we'll take your calls throughout the course of the show. Eli Gold coming up at 730 as well. Stay with us. The opening kickoff. Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. All right, 724 here on a Thursday. Welcome to June, ladies and gentlemen. The opening kickoff continues. I'm in the studios of WNSP with Michael Bronner. Lee is in Destin. And, of course, he's got a very special friend on the phone. Well, it is our team of the day, and that's Bachelor Service. And they've been our team of the day for over a year now, and they've been in business for well over 54 years. I want to thank Rick True for all he's done, and he's on the line with us right now. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Rick was on, and he was telling us about this charity event where uh, listeners are the ones that are voting. And, Rick, why don't you bring us up to date on how things stand now with it about ready to come to a close? Well, uh, Lee, we're still uh, uh, with the Child Advocacy Center still in the lead, uh, as they were the last time we talked with uh, Penelope House second and Wilmer Hall third. And uh, next Thursday when we talk, uh, I'll, I'll be announcing the final results. So... Um Let's talk about what Bachelor Service, our team of the day, the services that you offer to the public. Well, uh, of course, heating and air conditioning we've been doing since uh, 1967. And uh, we also uh, install generators and also do plumbing repair. Um, 
our three main uh, lines of our business. Plus that $79 special, is that still in effect? Oh yeah, we're still doing that, and we've got uh, we've got a lot of people that's been taking advantage of that lately with the uh, weather warming up. So uh, we we encourage everybody to call in and uh, get get on the list for that. They can do Let's that. Get back. Uh, call me at two five one four seven six four three two one. Let's get back to the uh, voting. Uh, how does one go about voting? They can go on our website, uh, bachelorservice.com, and there's a link on there where they can just click on it and go vote for uh, the charity of their choice. And again, name the charities that are up for grabs. Child Advocacy Center, Penelope House, and Wilmer Hall. Rick, we'll catch up to you next week to find out which one is the winner. All right? Perfect. Don't get sunburned down there, Lee. I haven't, believe me. <laughs> There's this, <laughs> thank you. There's this misconception that a lot of us are getting on the beach and getting tanned. That just does not happen. I mean, there's a lot of downtime here, but there's not enough downtime to go out on the beach and enjoy it. In fact, I can't remember the last time I've been on a beach. It's been years, but um, most of it's indoors, and we, we kind of mill around and wait for something to happen. And quiet time yesterday. Maybe there'll be more action today, but, uh, yeah, Mark, I have not had any opportunities to hit the beach, and I am not coming back sunburned, that's for sure. Oh, come on. You know what I would do? You're on WNSP's dime. Just just blow off this whole thing and hit the beach today. Just say, you know what? It's Trevanian time. And just go hit the beach, man. Put on a little sunblock and go live it up. If the truth be known, I used to really, really like the beach. Uh, I mean, I, I craved it when I came down here and, and was an advocate of the beaches in New Jersey, although not nearly as nice as the the gulf coast but lately i i don't have that much of a uh let's say an interest in, in going there just sitting there and, and getting sunburned like i said are you have you and when's the last time you've been yeah you go? man yeah get what? out there put a little sunblock on have me an umbrella drink <laughs> give me a little frozen a- concoction hey you know what the drink of choice was um on Tuesday at the SEC get together, well, based, one that based I'm not on based with. on sales, it wasn't Bud Light. Cosmopolitan. Uh oh, is that your, that's your drink? That was a member of my family's drink. Yeah, how many did you have? Four or five? Three. What? You a little tipsy? I like I said, a member of my family. That doesn't include me. Oh. I just took a sip. They filled it up so high, I had to take a sip so it wouldn't spill. Mm-hmm. And how many sips did you have? Just one? Uh, I'll go two, maybe. Well, what you call a sip, we call a gulp over here, a gulp. Iranian. Hey, look, I was too busy eating shrimp. Lee Trevanian living his best life, staying away from the beach while at Destin. Only Lee goes to Destin to stay away from the beach. Sip Cosmopolitans and eat shrimp by the pounds. Good for you. It wasn't just me. I'm talking about all these reporters. There's no time for them to go on the beach. They're too busy. All right. And by the way, you're not supposed to shoot Cosmopolitans. You're supposed to sip them, Lee. Just a little drinking tip for you. We come back. The voice of the Crimson Tide, Eli Gold, joins us next right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
have discussed field storming. Obviously, that's something that's really important to us as a university. Uh, we have, we have uh, dealt with it a lot over the years. Uh, you know, listen, I, I don't want to take anything away from the, what is the great environment of college sports. However, there's a safety issue there. It has to be addressed at some level. Fine, fines don't work. Nobody is, nobody is saying in the stance, sitting in the stance saying, well, I'm not going to go on the field today because this university is going to get fined $250,000. The fans don't care. Hey, it's 732. Welcome in. Thanks for hanging with us on the opening kickoff. That's the voice, Lee, of Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne from SEC Spring Meetings, which is where the one and only Lee Shervanian uh, is broadcasting from. Yeah, I waited, uh, instead of going on the beach, Mark, I waited like two hours to uh, record as did many others, uh, to get Greg Burns' thoughts. And according to uh, a published story today, Alabama's on the fence on whether to go nine games or eight. So let's call in the uh, football voice of the Crimson Tide, Eli Gold, brought to you by Dex Imaging. Eli, welcome to our opening kickoff this Thursday morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are things at the beach? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Indoors, it's nice. <laughs> 72 degrees. Yeah. I have not been near the beach. Uh, only only for the uh, SEC get-together uh, on Tuesday night. But we, it's not on the sand. It's on the pavement. Got to ask you, uh, thoughts on, and again, we assume, we don't know, uh, everything is kind of hazy, whether there'll be a vote today by the presidents, whether to go to a nine-game SEC schedule or eight. Do you have any uh, uh, kind of wish list on this, which way they should go? No, nah, it doesn't really uh, matter to me either way, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, and again, anything I'm saying is Eli Gold's thought, not speaking for the university in any way, shape, or form. But, no, I, I really don't. There, there are positives to both sides. There are positives to both sides. And, uh, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been a problem with the eight that we've had, and I dare say it won't be a problem if we go to nine. So, you know, the big problem, if there is one, is going to be, you know, those those permanent uh, uh, opponents, uh, the, the standard opponents every year, and how that's going to affect things. But uh, it, it really matters not to me. What What's the, what's the, the, the temperature of the water down there? Is it... Uh, are, are people leaning one way or another? According to a report, and, and, you know, this has gone back and forth, and Greg Sankey will not commit himself. I've been to two of his press conferences, and I'm telling you, he, he sidesteps better than just about any politician I can ever remember, but he's very good at that. Now, privately, privately, Eli, I think he's pushing for nine. I can't be sure. But according to a published report, there are five schools in the SEC that favor eight. There are four that are in favor of nine, and the rest supposedly are on the fence, including Alabama. Now, when I heard Greg Byrne yesterday speak, he kind of insinuated that Alabama is okay with the eight because of the home-and-homes they've scheduled with some powerhouse teams from other conferences like, uh, well, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin come to mind, uh, and then, of course, with sure. Notre Dame. So those games could be in jeopardy if if the uh, conference decides to go to nine games. So there's three ways of looking at it today. The presidents are down here. 
perhaps voting today. I would assume they would. They could table it for another year. And again, it wouldn't take effect until 2024. They could decide on nine. They could decide on eight. Or they could just, like I say, table it. And, of course, you brought up a good point, too. What happens, no matter which direction they go, to rivalries? What if they went to, like, stated eight games, but with one just one rival? You know, well, well that would yeah. obviously, let's say, in Alabama's case, be Auburn. So that would put rest, uh, put the rest of Tennessee-Alabama rivalry or even the Auburn-Georgia rivalry. Yeah, and that's a problem. That's a problem. I think that would be the, the the biggest mistake. There are certain things that are sacred, again, in my estimation. I'm speaking for myself. And there are certain things that are sacred uh, in the Southeastern Conference, as they are in uh, in other conferences. You know, with the you know, if they take the Red River rivalry, you know, bad choice. But I take it. You know, if, if you, you throw that away, you know. What would the fans be thinking if if USC UCLA uh, went away? What would the fans be thinking? Um, I, so I think there's a problem uh, inherent with that. You, you've got to you got to look at those rivalries as as very very sacred games, if you will. Uh, and, and I don't know if that would go over real well with the uh, with the general public, the rank and file of this world. You know what, I, even though this is still up in the air and you say the temperature and to me it looks like 50-50 either way, I mean, we couldn't really get a I grasp on it. I think they're going to table it personally, but uh, I don't know. I have no idea. But it sounds like the, what you're describing, uh, it sounds like a great a, a great opportunity to table this and let's, uh, you know, explore it again in, in 365 days. Very true, and that could happen. But here's something that definitely, according to Greg Sankey, seems to be on the agenda. They're going to do away with divisions and just lump them all yeah. together like the Big 12. That appears to be on the table. That's going to happen where you would not have East and the West. What do you think about that? Well, I don't know. It gets to be a little uh, unwieldy, I think. Uh, you know, especially with new teams coming in, uh, I think it gets to be an unwieldy number. I didn't have any problem with the uh, divisions whatsoever. So, um, you know, if, if he asks me as a fan, again, not speaking for the university, but if he asks me as a fan, I say, you know, it, it's going along well. Why mess with it? But, uh, you know, it's uh, that that's just me as one person thinking out loud you know most of the coaches that talked about this really sidestepped the issue entirely they said look kirby smart said it's much to do about nothing it's just a waste of time to talk about it he said it, it just play it every rotate every single year so you face uh, each team at least once every two years uh he didn't care yeah. about doing away with the rivalries uh nick saban who i thought was very much in favor of the nine game or at least that's what we were led to believe a while back i thought said, so too yeah but but he's kind of come off that and said well at least uh, if we play at least another power five team it doesn't have to be an sec school so these are these are question marks that have been raised uh, Greg Byrne did talk about other things going on with Alabama. And, you know, in lieu of some of the off-the-field things, it, at least it's finishing up well for Alabama. Uh, what with the softball team today, uh, are you going to be glued to this set to see uh, Tennessee and Alabama in softball? 
I will. I will. I, I wish it wasn't two SEC teams uh, in the opening round, you know, regardless of past performances or anything. I, I you know, it, uh, I, I hate to see that. It reminds me of the ACC in basketball where they just beat up on each other. Uh, I, I hate to see two SEC teams going at it here in the opening round, but so be it. They're in Oklahoma City, and that's the important thing. I didn't. I don't know enough about the seedings, but that really caught my attention. Why would you open up? I mean, that'd be like opening up uh, the NCAA basketball tournament with two SEC schools playing. I, I, I don't get it. I'm sure there's a reason yeah. for it. But, I mean, can you imagine, let's say, if Alabama and their first NCAA regional game opened up against the team from the SEC? It just it doesn't make much sense. The other thing, of course, going on on campus, you want to talk about the regionals. First time in a long time that Alabama is hosting. Exactly. And, and you know, it's the bottom line is the fans. You know, if Alabama had the record that they have now, but – they were drawing nobody. If the softball team had the record that they have now, but they were drawing nobody, let's face it, there is a business element to the tournaments that cannot be overlooked. But with, you know, a good crowd at the Joe, you know, with uh, the Rhodes House being perpetually sold out, uh, I think it's wonderful to see. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I traded a quick uh, uh text with uh, Patrick Murphy uh, I guess it was yesterday maybe two days ago and, and he's just thrilled to be going back to OKC and to take these ladies with him so yeah I think it's wonderful uh, I really think it's wonderful I think one of the really good stories up there, and I knew him when he was at South Alabama, James Jackson the interim baseball coach and yeah, Fred Byrne was sure. yeah, he was you asked know, about it, isn't it interesting how things have, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not getting into what has happened, who knows, whatever, we leave it alone, but look at how well that team has responded. I mean, there was every reason to think and to believe that they, you know, you know could just kind of disappear, but just the contrary you know jj's got him playing great baseball and uh, you know I, I think it's a wonderful wonderful story it is um he burn was asked about his status going forward that's a that's a big question mark after alabama completes its play in the regionals and hopefully advanced uh, of course they'll be uh, playing tomorrow uh but anyway that's that's neither here nor there right now because Byrne really is not going to commit himself right now as to who he's going to no. hire if he's going to stay with Jackson. But this all of all from the gambling, and, I, and I'm not trying to pull you into this, Eli, but I will tell you, besides the scheduling, the, the three major questions that have been raised to coaches and ADs that we have talked to, number one, of course, eight or nine games, tampering with the portal, and the other is gambling. And the SEC brought in uh, Matt Holt uh, yesterday. And this is not something new. This is not something that just developed because of what happened with Alabama. Uh, Greg Sankey said that Holt's been 
he's from U.S. Uh, Integrity, which is monitors uh, gambling and so forth. And I think they're going to have him go on campuses also. This is more to educate coaches. I know Shane Beamer yesterday uh, talked to us and was talking about, you know, the coaches have to be educated, too. They're not even aware if they can even participate in NCAA tournament basketball pools or anything like that. So before they can really educate the student athlete, they have to be educated themselves and with FanDuel's and DraftKings. This has been a hot topic this week with no solutions, but hopefully, you know, down the road just to educate. And as far as educating, why don't you educate our listeners on Dex Imaging? I can do that perfectly well. Dex Imaging is the finest, the finest company in America, bar none, in dealing with copiers, scanners, machines that make your everyday workaday business go more smoothly than ever before. Whether you're a big business, a small business, whether you need thousands of copies or just tens of copies, Dex Imaging has a machine that's right for you at a budget point, at a cost point that your business can handle. Listen, trust me, I've dealt with these gentlemen and ladies for many, many years now. They have great equipment, great service. You can't beat it. And look, our friends there at WNSP getting those machines recently. Everybody knows the name, Dex Imaging. Check it out for yourself, D-E-X. That's DexImaging.com. Have a wonderful day and a great weekend. We'll check in with you next week, Eli. Appreciate it very much. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward, if I can just add, tomorrow is, is my day. I've got uh, a PET scan tomorrow, which will determine whether I am free of cancer or not. So I, am, uh, I will unabashedly ask for a couple of quick prayers from anybody who cares to share one, because uh, I'll find out tomorrow whether I'm clear or whether I have to continue with all of this uh, rigmarole. Oh, the best to you, then, and you got our prayers for sure, Eli. Uh, hopefully, the best. I know it'll Thank work you out so for much. you. Good to have you on with us. Thank you so much. All right, bye bye. All right, that's uh, Eli Gold. Obviously, we we hope nothing but the best for him tomorrow, uh, and uh, we'll try to get you updated on that uh, as as we learn more. So thoughts and prayers with Eli. When we come back, we're going to wrap up our number two. We'll see if we can catch up with Dave McCrary, LCM Motorcars, and LCMMotorcars.com. Uh, we'll talk to you guys also in our number three. Plenty left here on the opening kickoff. Continue with your comments in the app. Lee doesn't, Lee doesn't hit the beach. He's in Destin. Not a fan of the beach. He's not a golfer. Tips for Lee on his final day in Destin. Assuming he's not going to do any work. I mean, he's in Destin. Why would anybody do any work over there? Tips for Lee. Maybe he can go hang out with Root. Steven Root ought to be showing him a good time. Drinking him under the table. We'll get to it all coming up next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. 
Opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. David McCrary, LCM Motor Cars, LCMMotorCars.com joins us here on WNSP. And as the calendar turns to June 1st, uh, things are heating up there at LCM Motor Cars. Yeah. Hey, good morning, Mark. Yeah, we've got a ton of inventory. We've got 75 units in stock. Got 22 trucks on the ground, uh, numerous SUVs, cars, uh, anything you want to choose from. A couple of things we've got that are rare is a um, we got a 05 Chevrolet extended cab step side truck, and we've got a 06 GMC crew cab fleet side truck. Those are hard, hard, hard to find, and they're both really nice trucks. So they're not going to be a, uh, they're not going to be around very long. How can people come see you and check out some of the inventory? We've got pictures of um, pretty much everything now on the website, lcmmotorcars.com. Uh, give us a call at 251-375-0068, or just come see us in person. We're at um, Highway 90 and Plantation in Theodore. It's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. All right, just for just for fun, though, how many cars, being that it is June 1st, how many of your cars don't have air conditioning? Because there's some of those in the country, usually not in this region, but every once in a while you get one. Well, in the car business, you never know which. Uh, you may have one that's not working, but all of ours are working. <laughs> okay, because I've seen ads for cars where uh, the AC, there is no AC, and clearly uh, those don't sell real well down here. Up northwest, you'll find a bunch of them on the ground without air. But there's uh, the air conditioner guys down here in this area. They're rich guys. They, they make big money. Yeah. Hey, uh, good talking to you as always, man. Uh, we appreciate everything you do here at WNSP, and we'll be in touch. Have a good day. Yep. All right, that's Dave McCrary, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com. Go out, go over there and check them out, man. They got a great setup for you. Uh, and, again, we always talk about that they don't pressure you, man. They actually are they're trying to help you. They're, I always say they're not trying to sell you a car. They're trying to help you buy one. There's a huge difference there. So go check it out. And if they don't have what you're looking for, go buy and see them anyway because they are great at locating exactly what you need. Uh, so go check out David McCrary and LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. All right. Uh, phone lines are open at 694-1055. Uh, you guys can uh, jump in on the conversation. Uh, a lot of conversation about the eight-game versus nine-game. I guess the bigger question uh, surrounding that topic, Lee, is how did, we seem as a, how did we seem to get it so wrong? It would seem like it was a foregone conclusion that this was going to happen. And now there seems to be that that – that pendulum seems to be shifting the other way. Before we go into that, let me just credit uh, some of our sponsors, the Cart Doctor, Urology Associates, uh, Greer's Marketing, Cash Saver, also Rich's Car Wash, uh, T-Bachelor and Son, Heating and Air Conditioning, uh, and uh, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, that's a good point because, yeah, uh, coming down here, I really thought this looked like a foregone conclusion, that, but we can't, t that would be nine, just can't take things for granted. And I guess... How did we get it wrong was that there wasn't enough research done as to how the schools individually felt about it. If, in fact, there's at least five schools that are against it, makes it very difficult to get a favorable eight to six. So when we, you come down here and you start reading stories that go in depth, and I think the first story or first report that came out was Brandon Marcello last week where he painted a different picture than what we were led to believe, that there hadn't been, let's say, enough involved reporting as to really is this 
going to go past or are there schools that are opposed to a nine game schedule and, and since then with the Ross Dellingers and, and people like Brandon Marcello you know they checked into this and, and kind of gave the slant that maybe this thing was not a foregone conclusion so the fact that you know on one hand and, and Mark we can you know we can go back even further remember when um the, in back, I guess it was a year ago, June, when the college football playoff, that it came out that the committee that the, with Greg Sankey and a few others had come across with the 12-game format, we thought that was a done deal. And look how long that took before it finally got established that it would be. But all that went on behind the scenes on that, and it, then we were led to believe we'd stay at four, it might go to eight. So... This is not unusual for something like this to happen because once it gets out there and then you start removing layers to find out, well, how do schools really feel about it? Now, that's not to say it won't get through today. I mean, there's been so much speculation, but uh, we're not I'm not going to say we're totally wrong yet until we see a vote today. But again, we didn't see both sides of it. And that's sometimes what happens even in all kinds of reporting, that you just get one side of it instead of getting both sides. And I think that's that answers the question, that there are two sides to this. 694-1055 is the number. By the way, uh, on a completely uh, different note, I, this is something I think you can all kind of relate to. There was a story... I, by the way, you might want to record this because this might be the first time ever I I consciously and, and on purpose bring up a story about soccer. But did you see it in uh, one of these European leagues? It was the final, the championship, uh, in this team that had uh, won like six or straight seven league championships. They lost. The coach confronted the official in the parking lot after the game. I mean, this is this is your no. I missed this. This is your this is your typical kid ball moment on like this grand scale. Who who are we talking about here? I don't even. I can't pronounce the names. I don't know. So we're talking like a random league in Europe. Yeah. Hmm. I I don't I don't pretend to know all the leagues. I guess it doesn't matter. I'm <laughs> sure it's the SEC of 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 soccer over there and wherever they are. But how about that? Wow. That's good what, stuff. Did it turn physical? No. Well, apparently the game had like 14 yellow cards. 14. It was a record uh, for <laughs> a league match. You think it was fixed? I don't know, man. 14. It seems like it was out of control. I don't uh, know if it was uh, fixed. But I got to ask. And and we got to be – I know I got to be kind of careful about this because some incidents in uh, kid ball has just gone over the top. But I need y'all to share like the most ridiculous kid ball moment at a at a park. Football, baseball, basketball, whatever. I need you guys to share that with us. Give us a call in, in hour number three. Because uh, this is a an instance where I I feel like the national international stage professional seems to Mirror kid sport. You know, I used to umpire back in the day. Did you really? Like when I was like fourteen. Well, when I was like fourteen and fifteen, and umpiring for like eight and nine year olds. You used to hear it. I was I wasn't built for it. No, I quit. I quit. Parents give it to you. Yeah, parents and coaches, man. And again, I'm talking about like when I was like fourteen and fifteen years old. I wasn't built for it. I I quit. I there's as we get into June, we'll probably talk more about this because it's it's more relevant, but. 
Man, there's something about parents when your kids are playing and the scoreboard is on. It, it, you like, it's like, you know, here's the, here's the movie reference of the day that nobody will get <laughs> and because you're too young and Lee probably doesn't mm. remember. My Sylvester Stallone, it's like over the top. It's like, you know how in the, when, when he turns the, the hat around and all of a sudden he becomes a different person? When you step on a competitive field with your kid playing and the scoreboard's on, you turn that hat around, you become a different person. Did you, have you ever seen Over the Top? No. See, no, thank I, you for proving my I, point. I, as soon as you said, like, you won't get this, I, I, I suspected I wasn't going <laughs> to get it. I, I thought maybe by some miracle I'd be, able to, I'd be able to impress you, but no, I have not seen Over the Top, nor have I heard of it, as a matter of fact. People, do you see what I'm dealing with over here? How many of you all are more in the Bronner corner where you've never even heard of, not only not even seen over the top, never even heard of it, and how many are you like me, frustrated with the, the youth of today? I think we know where you stand. It's, it's a lot more clear than his eight verse nine. Why don't you come run the board then? Nah, the problem is if I do, then I'll never get away from it. Hour number three is next. We get back to the spring meetings in Destin. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 8.02. Welcome back in. Hour number three on this Thursday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. Bronner in for uh, Triple G, who's taking a, a much-needed day off. And I say much-needed only just to make him feel better about himself. But uh, continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. We're in the studios at WNSP. And Lee Shervanian continues to anchor our coverage of SEC spring meetings from Destin. Yeah, and I do want to thank uh, many of our sponsors, uh, the Spawn Tub Manufacturers, uh, also Greer's Market, LNS Air Conditioning, and Dr. Christopher Mullenix. Now joined by Jesse Simonton from On3. Had a chance to catch up with him this week. He's here covering everything that's going on. Jesse, I can't thank you enough. Good morning. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Lee. Good to run into you. Now we're going to have you several times on now, and appreciate you being available. So I guess the the major question, and of all the things that have been said, there's been a lot of verbiage, but nothing yet has been accomplished, and hopefully something today. Which way do you have any kind of feel for how the the presidents may go with the scheduling format, whether it be eight or nine? Do you think we're going to even get a vote today? I do not think that ultimately there's going to be a final vote, uh, which would come today and then obviously be released tomorrow. I'm skeptical that that's where we land just because it seems like the the more and more you talk to these coaches and ADs, they kind of feel powerless that maybe there's not enough information out there. I think you can kind of read between the lines on that, and I think that means that they want more money from ESPN. And so 
ESPN hasn't come to the table, and so that's kind of delayed, I think, the SEC's final decision of eight versus nine. It certainly seems like if I was just guessing at this point, I think there's a much stronger chance there's just kind of like a gap year where they take 2024, they play eight games uh, with a 16-team league, which really makes no sense, but they'll do it for a year and then see if they can come back to the negotiating table with ESPN. That question was raised to Greg Sankey. I don't get it. Uh, maybe because I'm not, you know, an everyday athletic director or president. What more information do you need? Yeah, and he really, you know, Greg, I thought, masterfully played dodgeball yesterday uh, with really all the the scheduling questions. He was ducking, you know, diving and dodging around pretty much every single, you know, uh question that was peppered at him and and i think the information they want is just a you know a final finite answer of hey you will get let's say x three five million dollars per team extra uh with this extra game but right now that just hasn't come to the table jesse let me ask you this about two or three weeks ago i guess just based on what we had heard it looked like nine game schedule would be forthcoming what happened to change all that, or what? Why did what what was accomplished that changed that uh, the narrative from nine that maybe not even going to nine, but maybe reverting back to eight? Yeah, I kind of wonder, Lee, if maybe that narrative was a bit overblown to begin with. I think because it's just so sensible. If you just literally break it down and write on one side of the piece of paper the pros for nine, and one side of the piece of paper the pros for eight, that list on the left is going to be a lot longer. You're going to get better games. You're going to protect the secondary rivalries. You're going to have more marquee matchups. Obviously, you're going to rotate through the league for every team with both scenarios. Uh, But I just wonder if because there are enough ADs and presidents that don't want to, you know, basically get paid to take more losses. And while Georgia and Alabama and Texas A&M, Florida, and LSU, I think, formed kind of a strong five of, hey, we definitely are in the camp of, of wanting nine games. There's enough of these bottom teams in the SEC that don't feel that way. Then when you throw in the variable that Texas, which does want to play nine games, has no vote in this day, um, it becomes a much more even you know, numbers game in terms of eight versus nine you know, in these backroom dealings. Are you surprised at the way this thing has turned around this week? Not really, because I think the win. I, I think you know there was kind of, kind of coming into Destin. I thought that the tide had kind of started to turn a little bit. Three weeks so ago, me- you're right. I think there was more. And again, I, I think the narrative may have been a bit overblown. But I think you know three weeks, a month, what have you, there was more confidence that a nine-game schedule would be the ultimate uh landing spot and i think mainly that was out of you know derided for the fact that it's just the most sensible option but perhaps you know sensibility is not going to exactly win win the day here this is more a hypothetical but many consider greg sankey the most powerful commissioner of any of the conferences and maybe one of the most powerful men in all of sports is this coming down on him now if they can't get to nine i do think it's not not a great look and maybe this is an example of you know some of these guys powers have limits the coaches have kind of acknowledged that uh as much up front this week whether it's about the transfer portal or fixing nil uh or the schedule itself i mean they kind of feel mostly powerless that you know yes they can uh 
in, in, insert their opinion, but that that seems to be the, the kind of end all uh, of where that stands right now. Sankey doesn't get to, you know, he can put his finger on the scale here, Lee, but he cannot completely dictate the vote. He has to, you know, respect what these presidents ultimately decide. And if they outweigh his opinion with a the majority, then, yeah, he, he certainly looks like the loser here. But I think the real loser is, is all of us because nine versus eight is just so obvious to me. It's kind of silly that we're still even having this debate. Yeah, that's what Kirby Smart said, too. <laughs> Jesse Simonson with on three. You know, and another thing I was kind of curious about, he even brought this up. If the vote was 7-7, he does not cast a tie-breaking vote. They lose. If, if you don't get, you know, if it goes, doesn't go 8-6, then it doesn't get changed. Right, right, exactly. And so I rattled off those teams. The one team I left off was Missouri. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of the obvious schools uh, that, that don't make the revenue that are at the bottom, the Kentucky, South Carolinas, the two Mississippi State schools, Arkansas, they're kind of all, you know, considered behind the scenes, kind of a united camp. And then the, the Auburn's, Tennessee's uh, of the league are kind of considered to be in the middle. So we'll see. Again, uh, reiterating, I don't think that there's going to be a final vote. If there is a final vote this week, I think they're going to have, you know, come up with some sort of Band-Aid solution that says let's play eight in 2024 and then let's do this whole dance again here at Destin next next spring. If they played the eight, would they keep rivalries going? Well, you're not going to be able to protect them all. I think there is maybe a little wiggle room, which is why, again, I would call it a Band-Aid solution that they could do the, the one permanent um, but within those seven rotating games, maybe you still keep an Alabama, Tennessee, a Georgia, Auburn. But again, you're not going to be able to. I don't think if they play eight games, suddenly you're you're probably not going to have a uh, you know LSU Alabama game, which is just insane. And it, and it's it's insane the fact that you know again they would probably figure out a way to do this for next season, but that would mean the year after that it would not happen. Uh, but what, how, how could you have a league where you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma and, and Texas and Texas A&M don't play every single season? It, it just it, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, it's short-sighted. And I, I think, you know, Eli Drinkwood said a lot of silly things this week, some good, some I think, uh, you know, he, he probably wished he could take back. But one thing he did say that I thought was smart about the schedule is that, you know, th th this is about – teams and schools need to do what's best for the conference, not their individual programs. I think there's too many, you know, individual programs kind of concerned about, you know, me instead of kind of the collective we of the SEC. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you something because I'm kind of naive on this money figure. You know, first of all, why do, why do they think ESPN has to pony up more money if they go to nine games? Well, and, and because you do have revenue sharing in the league, so everybody gets the same amount of money when it's all said and done. I'm not sure I understand all how this is going because, granted, you may have to give up a home game uh, if you're playing nine, but still you're going to benefit financially anyway you know whether you go on the road or not and i don't know i look at this differently i i would think that an sec school not named alabama or georgia one of the top echelon but a middle of the road school that uh, that a uh, that playing a schedule like this might benefit you more in getting into the 12 team format than if you played a non-conference game like a louisiana tech and lost 
Well, that and that is how the schools like Florida um, and even Missouri, uh, you know, Texas A&M, that is how those programs feel. The issue is that there are schools like Kentucky, for instance, which is kind of leading the charge behind the scenes um, of the eight-game schedule that feel like, hey, we don't have multiple permanent rivals. We want to play Tennessee every year. Um, but we could kind of take it or leave it with everybody else. We want to protect our game versus Louisville, and then we want to have a couple other winnable games on the schedule because we want to go to a bowl game. And that's kind of the impetus uh, or, or kind of the driving force behind some of these you know, other teams. They don't want to take the losses. They want to be able to kind of continue to manipulate their schedules where they can grab you know, a couple wins here um, which, you know, gets them much closer to that bowl eligibility, which then, you know, protects coaches from getting fired, you know, keeps folks employed, uh, you know, the kind of the domino effect of kind of that decision. Yeah, Jesse, but we've seen in the last couple of years getting to six wins, there's still coaches that are getting fired all over the place. I'm not, saying, a lot I'm of not saying it's the right opinion, Lee. Yeah. I'm saying that right, is, I know. That is yeah. the driving force. That that is that's where that's where this that's where this this impetus is coming from. The fi- the ESPN finances of the deal, again, it kinda depends on who you talk to. What one would be, it'd be hard to believe that ESPN and the SEC did not have long-term discussions about a nine-game schedule even before Texas and Oklahoma had joined the league. They agreed to that 815 or so million dollar package before those two programs did. But it is hard to surmise that the two parties had not even broached that subject. So it seems odd that you know that is the ultimate holdup or alleged holdup. Um, but I do think it is a component of kind of what seems to be a never-ending uh, debate at this point. Pleased to be hearing from Jesse Simonton from On3 right now. Anything on the on the agenda today to, besides this to vote on that is worth writing about? Today? I mean, I, I, I mean they're going to vote on, you know, some, some small potatoes transfer portal stuff. I think what happens after – this meeting with some of the discussions that they've had about, you know, uniting around NIL and, and kind of ways to potentially uh, tweak some of the, the, you know, tampering problems. I think those are probably the, the bigger picture issues they hope to address, but I don't think there's going to be any sort of, you know, final vote um, to say that's going to happen. It's going to, that's going to, you know, change something drastically for this fall. Yeah, and there was a, uh, that was another issue that came up all during the week where coaches were asked about the calendar, changing the calendar, I think, of the portal. Uh, does this have any legs to it? Well, they've been griping about this. I talked to tons of coaches at the coaching convention um, in Charlotte in January, and that's been kind of a constant gripe. The problem, again, is that there's lots of opinions but very little solutions because all these coaches kind of – uh, want to do what's in the best interest for them or their program, and a lot of those interests do not align. And so again, it's <laughs> it, you got a, bu- a bunch of you know strong-willed personalities bumping heads, and so it's kind of hard to come to a conclusion. You're going to stick around for the next two days? I'm not. I'm getting out of here Thursday. I'm getting out of here today. This is I, this has been kind of my routine the last couple of years because the votes don't typically happens so if Sankey happens to say something I'll write about it uh, from back home tomorrow but I am I, skeptical so I, I've collected what I needed 
Thanks, Jesse. I can't thank you enough. We'll be in touch, all right? Have a safe trip home. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Jesse Simonton from On3. There you go. Uh, guys, while we have a minute, I want to let you guys know if you're 65, if you're within a year of retirement, you need to listen up. Uh, you've heard me talk about Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors for a while now. But what is what is Medicare Insurance Advisors? Uh, I'm glad you asked. It's a it's a local it's locally owned and community driven company, right? So they they're contracted with a bunch of carriers: Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplement, Medicare Part D, other services like those. Aiden Marks is your guy here in the Mobile Baldwin County area. There are, there are tons of questions that you're going to have. You can you can call him. There's never a fee for services. Four six three zero zero. Three, one. Medicare Insurance Advisors, they basically have a passion for educating people like you, clients, providing options so that you can help, uh, they can help you make informed decisions year after year. It's not just about the enrollment process, it's about catering to your needs throughout uh, your stint with Medicare. Uh, so by being contracted uh, with Medicare Insurance Advisors, clients have kind of peace of mind um, that there's someone constantly looking out for your best interest. You go see Aiden Marks at his office, Highway 98, across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet, right there in Daphne, or give him a call. I mentioned the number, 463-0031, 463-0031. There's never a fee for his services. So, again, if you're thinking about maybe you have uh, benefits through your, uh, your company, maybe you're the agent, maybe you need to start deciding which one is better suited for your needs, maybe you have VA benefits, there's a ton of different scenarios I can run through. He can get you through all of them. Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors, 463-0031. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. And, of course, we are open the rest of the way to talk to you. 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff. Hey, this is Stuart Fink for the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNFB Sports Radio in Mobile. Welcome back in. Short segment here went long in our last one. That's okay. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. Uh, Lee's in Destin. Um, Lee, I got Mr. Bronner actually did a little research. I was on to something. See, my 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 soccer sense, my spidey sense went off on this whole soccer thing. I was on to something, Bronner. Yeah, so uh turns out the story is a little bit more <laughs> more interesting than than initially thought. You know, you you gave me you laid the groundwork, so I did a little bit of research because you piqued my interest by saying, you know, Euro League. It's the Europa League, which is one step Same below thing. the Champions League. The Champions League, all the top 4 teams from all the European leagues go to the Champions League. The Europa League is like one step below the Champions League. It's like if you win the Europa League, it's a big deal. It's not quite the biggest deal, but it's like a big deal is the best way I can describe that without going into a long explanation. Too late. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> the coach of AS Roma, uh, the Italian team that lost to Sevilla, the Spanish team, his name is Jose Mourinho. You might have heard of him. He has, no. a fam- he has a reputation for being eccentric, and, uh, you know, he's had some he's had some good one-liners throughout his career. But, yes, uh, Roma lost to Sevilla in this game in penalties. 14 yellow cards were dished out, the yeah. most in the Europa League match in 52 years, not just a final, any match in 52 years. And <laughs> Jose Mourinho, again, coach of the Italian team who lost to the Spanish team, said that the officials, quote-unquote, 
seemed Spanish after the game. He's, he's uh he's got a whole. I, I I was unable to verify whether the referee was in fact Spanish. I don't know, but uh you know he was uh he was not happy with the display of refereeing in in the Europa League final. He met the dude in the parking lot like it was some kid game. Yeah. After, after some kid after some baseball game, it, nine and tens. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, it, it, it's quite the fascinating story. You should you should look up some uh, some compilations of Mourinho's best quotes on YouTube. But you'll you'll be entertained for an afternoon. Can we could we play them? Are they family Are they family friendly? Mm, I'd have to. Look. He's he's got a thick accent. It doesn't translate that that well to radio. I don't think. But you know you probably need subtitles. All right. Uh, so we're open the next couple segments, Lee. I, I know um, uh, you got another day there in Destin, and uh, many many folks are, are making that possible for us this week. Indeed, they are. I uh, do want to thank Dr. Christopher Mullenix for coming aboard as a sponsor. Also, uh, Urology Associates, you deserve to be in expert hands. The uh, CART Doctor, the Kessler, uh, the Kiesler Federal Credit Union, Greer's Market, and Cash Saver, and uh, Chick-fil-A, some of our uh, sponsors that have been with us all week. And again, this is my final day, as many reporters will be leaving, and Jesse... Um, uh, Simonton explained why, because uh, even if there's a vote today, you may not find out about it until tomorrow. So rather than just stand around and hit the beach, it's time to go home. Uh, no beach, no golf. What does Lee Shervanian do in Destin when he's there? Basically, what I do whenever I go to any of these things, <laughs> just stick around and see if we can find some uh, information or get some audio or something like that. All right, let me you rephrase. Know, what do you do for fun? I don't. You're not having fun this week, Lee? I am, actually. It's fun just to be here, to the camaraderie among getting to know other reporters and so forth, get down and, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, beats work. Plus, we've, uh, you know, hit a couple of restaurants. Yeah, we've had a good time down here. The uh, the, the nighttime uh, get-together uh stage by the SEC was quite entertaining and, and very neat. So, yeah, everything's been uh, very, very well done. I really appreciate it. And I like it much better than what Michael and those guys are going to face up there in Nashville. It's going to be a beast. There's just not as many uh, reporters down here. In fact, I was surprised there were as few. There aren't, it's, a, it's an invitation only, and there are very few compared to the thousands that you're going to get up there in Nashville, the circus that is up there. And most of the questions you're going to get up there are the ones that were asked down here, except who is the third string center or the backup running back or something like that. You load up, you party. Stay with us. There's plenty left. In a rare development, we have two open segments. The rest of the way, you guys can jump in. Comments, questions, criticisms, whatever. 694-1055. We're here for you. Lee's and Destin for just a few more hours, I suppose. Uh, No golf, no beach, no drinks with umbrellas. Boring person. 
very boring person. Hey, uh, Chemco Metal Builders, appreciate them sponsoring this segment. And I do want to make a – we were trying to get Roy Hudson on from Community Bank that uh, wasn't able to be done today because he usually joins us once a week. So do want to say a word about Community Bank. They got their fifth new building down there at uh, Gulf Shores, and it's a bank unlike others. And you've heard us talk about that with uh, Roy. You know, some of the, the things we've talked about, which, again, will be talked about when – they meet in uh, Nashville uh, July 17th, but I, I didn't really bring up much about the calendar, and that was another popular question about changing the calendar for uh, student-athletes entering the, the portal, uh, and, and these are issues that are behind closed doors with the coaches, especially, you know, something we haven't really talked much about, Mark, but very much uh, an issue like with coaches and that first signing day uh, in December, and you have coaches with bowl games and, and so forth, and it seems like everything just clashes, you know, when you come into that uh, bowl season, uh, and then you're, you know, you have to recruit, and then you got kids entering the portal and so forth. So, yeah, that's been another topic if they're going to ever change the, the the calendar, whereas it's recruiting and portal and so forth. And and again, you know, they they raised the question of the portal with Greg Sankey yesterday, the commissioner of the SEC. To me, and again, I, I may be not giving this too much thought, but, you know, they could make this a lot easier on everybody, barring lawsuits, if they prohibit student-athletes from entering the portal and then from playing right away, just to sit out of here. I know that's not going to happen. Uh, maybe allowing graduate students to, you know, enter the portal and then play immediately. Or if a coach, that was another issue, or if a coach leaves or gets fired, that could be another reason. But to stop this constant movement, thousands of student-athletes entering the portal, some of whom don't wind up going anywhere because there's just not enough room, why not just say, well, you sit out of here. But again, that might open up lawsuits. So that may uh, detain that from happening. So those were some of the other issues that came up. But I don't think you're going to hear much more about that the end of this week. You see, that kind of stuff, yeah, I don't I don't think, first of all, the, ca the only way to fix the calendar is to put things back the way they were. Get rid of the early signing period. I was never for the early signing period. No one ever convinced me when there was an early signing period that it was advantageous to everybody. In fact, I, I it's one of the few Issues that we've we've seen over the years that I've I've remained uh, a staunch uh, um, I, I've I've remained uh, consistent on which is it just it doesn't help anything and and there are more unintended consequences to the early signing period than um, than there were advantages and and you start to see more and more unintended consequences the longer we do it so I'm all for pushing it back to the original date let's make that 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 February date. Uh, the big day where everybody makes their announcements, get rid of the early signing period, and that alleviates all of it. Uh, I don't think you're any the wiser. I don't think you're any more relieved if you if you wait six weeks or whatever that calendar was. I think it's a complete wasted opportunity. Get rid of the early signing period, go back to the way it was, and you've cleared up all those problems. There's there's no downside to doing it that way. There really is. How about this? How about this, Mark? How about and this is really off the wall, I know, because when a student athlete, let's take the sport of football, when they commit, why not instead of commit, just make it binding? 
and that way the coaches don't have to keep going out and recruiting them and recruiting them and you don't have players going out and visiting other campuses i know it's not going to happen and i've just see my my original thought on the whole thing was if you're going to have an early signing period do it before the high school season starts now i know that's not the perfect way but at least it for the minds of many for the uh, student athlete they know where they're going the season high school season they're not being bombarded by schools that want to continue to recruit them this thing with December, which has pretty well negated the February thing, but then with the uh, bowl games, that, that's ridiculous what's going on. We talked about that with the uh, South Alabama football coach. You know, on signing day, he's got to get his team prepared for a bowl game, and that didn't go so well. The only the only solution I saw really was at, at the outset of the high school season, before the season begins, if you want to sign, sign. Now, of course, are there going to be, as you said, uh, consequences? Yeah, coach gets fired. Uh, that you know you've already committed or you're already signed with the school, but then again the NCAA has opened up possibilities of moving on if that same coach is not there. So I don't know if there is a perfect answer. Maybe maybe yours is the best. Go back to way the well, to the I way think it was. The the issues now with the early signing period aren't on the student athlete side. The student the 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 issues are now on the college program side, right? So to your point though. The early signing period is happening in the middle of the season, right? If you push it back to the to the start of the the kids' senior year, those those programs are trying to get ready for their season. The idea is to do it when it doesn't impact, where it at least impacts, uh, or it impacts the the least amount of people. So, you know, you, like we talked about in this this this, this, this December, we had guys trying to prepare like Kane was preparing the Jags for their bowl game and also he was trying to his staff was having to deal with early signing period just get rid of that uh conflict altogether do it in February don't worry about whether it's binding or not just do it then and and be be rid of it the the problem is on the college side right and and juggling too many things uh because if you did it at the beginning of your of the kid's senior year you're still going to have to commit. You're still going to have to recruit that kid until it winds up being binding, or else he'll just get other offers or reopen his uh, his recruiting. Like it's and, and you're still in the middle of your season. Like coaches, what coaches are looking for is to alleviate that schedule conflict, and I think the only way to do that is do it in, in February. Do you know if you if you just have it in February, what would that do? To the student athlete in high school who wants to enroll early, and then there are a bunch of them. I mean, but, we, we but, see but this how, all the but time you're now. Only, but you're only you're only signing. What is it? Six weeks early? They can do it in December now, as a, as opposed to February. It's like we're not talking months and months at a time or years. We're talking about a few weeks. Uh, my point is is why not just take the extra few weeks? Make sure you know exactly what you want to do. Uh, if, if you're going to cut off recruiting, then tell them you're cutting off your recruitment. The, the same thing's going to happen. Those, they're going to be those programs that, that abide by your wishes and not contact you. And they're going to be others that continue to contact you. Same as if you would have signed at that time, I, I just, or committed or whatever the term is you want to use. I, I don't think, I, I don't think any of that's going to change, but to, to say that, man, kids just want to get it over with. What's an extra thing? You know, six weeks uh, if you've been if you've been recruited since your sophomore year anyway. Now, what I was saying, though, as far as the student athlete who, let's say they sign in December, which most of them do now because they want to enroll early. They want to get, let's say, to Alabama in, in time for January. So 
that would preclude that happening because we see so many of these recruits now they want to get an early start everybody's impatient they want to get there they want to go through spring practice and all that and get a chance to start in their freshman year that's why my point is if you sign prior to the high school season well then you know that i mean i'm not saying it's the perfect solution i'm just saying you wouldn't have that clash with bowl games you wouldn't have that clash where everything just comes together plus you know at the start of the season if you know where you really want to go sign in sign in august uh, have a signing day before that's always been my contention if you're going to have an early signing period don't do it so close to february because if they, if you just wait till february then what's going to happen with those kids who wanted to enroll early at the campuses yeah. you can't do it yep no i mean it's 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 a good point uh i've never been a fan of and I know most people are. I'm not a huge fan of early signing and then early enrollees. I, I just, I just think if you if you show up and fall like everybody else, then I think that's kind of always, that's always been my my philosophy. Like finish high school, like enjoy high school. Go go be a high schooler. You know There's what? So I much agree pressure. with you. There's always so much pressure to be at that next level before everybody else, right? You know, if you're the you're the freshman playing up on the JV or you're the JVH kid that's playing varsity and if you're the varsity guy you want to sign early and if you sign early you can be at, at campus early like it's you know and don't take the red shirt you want to play right away and you're, you're gonna you're gonna leave early to go to the pros like it's it's everything's got to be early no there's a timetable for a reason I think we put so much and I get it I mean kids want to do it uh, the college I see the 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 advantages of of colleges wanting kids to do it and getting kids on campus and getting them acclimated in the whole deal. But what if we just reset the clock? What if we just blow it up and do it the way it was always intended to do? Like what would be the what would be what would be what would be so wrong with that? Also keep in mind too that there are some high schools that will not allow you to leave early. There's a few in our area. So maybe if some of the high schools clamp down a little bit too. But I'm with you. I, I will agree with you on that. Finish your high school. What's the big rush? You're only what, eighteen? Now you got you got your whole future ahead of you. What's the big rush to get there a couple of months early? Uh, and, you know, and, and of course, like I said, we're in a very impatient uh, society. Uh, a lot of these student athletes want to get to the pros so early, so they want to get rid of their high school senior year, or at least half of it. They want to get into college. I thought it was so funny. And I told you this comment the other day because, again, you know, and, and Jesse pointed this out, you know, Drinkowitz stole, you know, any of the conferences. And when somebody asked him about, oh, I forget how the question was raised, Mark, about players, um, you know, on his team, and, and, and I, I don't remember the way the question was raised, but he said, are you crazy? He said, what kid stays more than two years? I, the only ones who stay around are the walk-ons. They're the only ones who stay. They ought to be given medals. They ought to be given full scholarships, sticking four years. He said, everybody comes into this program, they're, they're either gone through the portal or they're gone to the pros in two or three years, and he was so right about that. You know, the and Broner, you're closer to it than I, than I am, but to me, spring spring semester of your senior year is like the best part of high school you don't do anything you're basically done like why would you want to give that up yeah i'm not that close to we're talking like five years but no it, it was quite possible i mean senior year in high school was it was one of the best years of my life and in, in general I mean, yeah you, you, were, did, you, you don't so do a drunk. whole lot and then you the so uh, you know when remember. the senioritis really sets in uh in the spring it's like yeah it's 
it's different when you're a, a big time recruit you get why you want to get to campus early but uh at the same time it's a lot to give up it, it, it is a a special time yeah i mean i i just remember not doing anything i mean I, you know i'm not saying i'm not saying you know you just sit around and waste away but Man, that's that's the time to celebrate everything you've no, done. No, you do point. nothing. You do nothing like productive of value to society. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's take a, a quick break. We'll do our, our final break. We'll set the table for the rest of the day. Uh, NBA game one tonight. NBA playoffs. NBA finals. Who you got? Is there enough in the tank for the Heat? I don't know. We'll get to that and uh, see if we can convince Lee to do something crazy and radical in Destin before his time is up. The opening kickoff, one final segment. Stay with us. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. segment uh, again want to thank some uh, all the fine folks that have made our coverage of sec spring meetings possible cart doctor keesler federal credit union uh, dixie supply your metal roofing headquarters in the greater mobile area lns air conditioning oh by the way i, I will be joining the afternoon crew at 4 30 today in case there's any follow-up or again just talking about what happened uh, during the week uh, maybe that we don't get any anything solved just a lot of questions but getting back to what we were talking about uh in the previous segment about the impatience and student athletes wanting to move quicker uh not stick around for their uh spring high school year getting to the colleges and getting to the pros mark i think a lot of it has to do like every issue seems to be done with money you know you see the big dollars and you want to get there as soon as you can some of these student athletes coming from one parent families and seeing the riches out there and seeing the money that's paid and uh, let let's get moving let's let's no don't want to stick around let's get to the uh, pros as fast as we can and you know if that means skipping my spring year in high school and if that means getting out of college after two or three years i think that's the motiva- motivating factor these days all right, 694-1055 is the number if you want to jump in on any of the topics that we've discussed today. Now's a good time to do it. we got a few minutes to do that. Uh, I want to thank Michael Bronner for coming in and hanging with us. Dude's playing double up. He is working double duty today, so we appreciate uh, Bronner uh, How sweet. making that transition with such ease. See, I mean, Triple D doesn't really do anything all day. He just kind of <laughs> sits over there. Um, all right, so who do you like in the NBA Finals, Bronner? Uh, it's annoying. You know, I don't, I don't like the Heat. I don't care for the Heat. I like Jimmy Butler, but you know, I guess I, I guess I have to root for him now. I'm not just like I don't want to see a sweep, but I, I think that's what we're headed for. Maybe a gentleman sweep in five games. I, I guess the Heat have been doubted all playoffs, but I don't know. I mean, so, so Lee, what do you, what do you think of? I, I'm kind of on the verge of. I think maybe the Heat might grab Game One. Wow! Because and only because 
Everybody talks about the layoff being a good thing for Denver, Lee. I'm wondering if rest they come out a little, little rusty. Uh, Miami's still kind of riding the high of being there. And I think after after that first game or two, I think you'll start to see the, the, the seven-game series prior kind of take its toll on Miami. What do you, what do, what do you think of I that? I like Denver. And I've been wrong so much on the, the, the previous <laughs> series, so I, you probably don't want to buy into what I'm saying. But Denver hasn't lost a home game in the postseason at all, so I can't go against them. And then I look at Miami winning three games at the Boston uh, Gardens or whatever they call it now, which is incredible to me. And the fact that Miami is an eight seed is even this far along. So I'm not going to say it's impossible for Miami to go up there. You talk about the, the air, the thin air, and, and the difference that might make. But Denver, as you pointed out, well-rested. I would have to give the nod to Denver. I wouldn't mind seeing Miami win one of the two games in Denver. And, and I don't want to see a sweep. I'd like it to go six or seven games, add some excitement. Uh, I will say this, uh, Miami's such a well-coached team, but I'm not taking anything away from Denver. And if Jokic, who obviously is the star of this playoff, if he gets a lot of help from Jamal Murray, I don't see how Miami can win this series all told. I'll go with Denver maybe winning 4-2, to two, something like Den that, Denver, and then taking tonight's game. Denver a nine-point favorite tonight. Any guesses as to the cheapest get in the building price for game one tickets tonight game one what do you think lee game first one nba finals for denver's franchise history you're talking cheapest ticket yeah get in the building prices okay and that could be anywhere upstairs downstairs upper upper level behind the basket section 360 <laughs> is what i'm looking at right now <laughs> what is it 260 no. oh I'm no going, i'm going 1200 it's well, you, both of you are wildly off. It's actually right in the middle. About five hundred fifteen dollars before fees can get you into Game One between Denver and Miami tonight. What so I, we're in between. I, Mark was high. I was low. <laughs> exactly. So we're in the was, yeah, you guys balance each other. You guys balance yeah. each other out. Well, ain't that the right. story of my life? <laughs> and the question is, would you pay to go see that? Uh no, uh, I wouldn't. But. You know, I'd go if someone, if, uh, you know. If What's we, the most expensive ticket, Mark, you've ever spent for a sporting event? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, not very much. I, it's, I'm not the guy to be asking. Um, generally, any big event I've ever gone to, I was, I, I got tickets through a connection. Um, but, like, to pay face value for tickets, I, I don't think I've paid over face value, if that's what you're asking. Uh, what about you, Brian? I paid. Uh, oh, you paid for tickets that you didn't actually use. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I bought Final Four tickets. You know, I I, I don't even want to get. It. I you know I've never actually said that on the air, but thanks for thanks for drawing that out. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> the LSU ticket for Alabama this year wasn't cheap. Neither was the Ole Miss ticket. Uh, I've gone to like a Patriots AFC Championship ticket. Admittedly, uh, you know, I was I was still living at home. My parents paid for that one. But uh, yeah, I would I would say probably the most expensive that I've paid for with with my own funds would probably be like LSU this year. All right, Lee, which which yours? $100 per ticket for the uh, Stanley Cup Game 6 back when Devils in Colorado. And I did pay for it, Mark. I didn't get them free. I paid for it. So I didn't go. My son and my uh, brother uh, went up in New Jersey. That that's to, comes to mind. 
Because back when, when I was going to games, heck, I could go to a Ranger hockey game for $2 and you know, out of my own pocket, $2 to sit upstairs in the third deck. I mean, the difference between now and then is just so incredible. And, you know, the, the postseason games I went to, that was on a media pass. But as far as actually shelling out money, 100 a, game, 100 a ticket, so that came to $200. Wow. Okay. So hey, uh, Michael, what did yeah. you what did you spend when you said you went to the LSU back? You, you you didn't go as a media guy. You just no, went as a, I I went with my two friends. I think those were probably about two hundred dollars a ticket, roughly. A ticket. Yeah, and I was in the way upper bowl. By the way, everyone talks about how great Tiger Stadium is, and you know the environment's great. I'll tell you what, that stadium, eh. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see. I could hear anything in terms of the PA. The PA system was awful. Couldn't see anything because the video boards were tiny. That stadium needed some serious renovations, hey, man. Let me let me tell you a story, Michael, about my first trip to Tiger Stadium. Please. Okay, it was 1986, and I heard all the things about it. This was only my sixth year down here after moving. So a group of us went, okay, and it was kind of a you know a weekend trip, and we went there. And so we were kind of, uh, we were in the end zone, I think, or, but we, we had, we were underneath, uh, you know, we, we had, I had been told about how loud this place was. Well, we were underneath. Uh, and so, you know, the game's going on and I was like, oh, what's so big dealish about this? There's not, I don't hear that much noise and everything. And it's like, so late in the game. Uh, I, I got up because I was going to I was covering, you know, media member, even though I was sitting with the people I was with. So I had my tape recorder uh, and I was going down to the locker rooms to get an early start. And I tell you, I thought I entered another world. Hmm. I couldn't believe how loud it was. And as it turned out, that is the game that is still considered the earthquake game. Uh, the seven to six LSU win That's where LSU right. came back and won the game at the end. Um, and like I said, because where we were situated, obviously under uh, another, uh, uh, I guess, grandstand or something like that, you couldn't get the full grasp of the noise. But, boy, once I ventured out, it was incredible. I've been there maybe two or three times. I'm with you on the stadium. I'm not, But I will say this. You'd be hard-pressed to find a place that's better tailgating. Yes, I swear. I that was great. People were inviting uh, me, hey, come here, try this, try this. It was like a, a, a buffet. It was like they didn't know who I was. It, that was terrific. Hey, uh, be careful over there, uh, Shervanian. Don't get in any tr legal trouble. It'll be a big topic on tomorrow's show, but we look forward to having you back in studio. Got a good show planned, Mark. Paul Feinbaum is back with us tomorrow to, to wrap up. Uh, we're also going to talk to the executive director of the Bulls. You know, the Bulls schedule is already out. Uh, we'll also have uh, Trey Wallace joining us. Uh, he may be sticking around today. All right. Well, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. Our thanks again to Mr. Bronner for, uh, for filling in. And uh, you can hear him and Lee. Uh, later this afternoon on the final drive. Uh, that does it for us. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. here on the opening kickoff. Until then, see ya!